0: Thank you. May we see you. Amen. Thank you, Matt. It's so wonderful to be here together with you this morning to fellowship and worship God and uh, be together with uh, His church. And we're so very thankful for all of you here this morning. For those of you who are visiting, we're very appreciative and blessed to have you with us visiting in person and online. And uh, if you are uh considering placing membership or have questions about what that means or uh, about your faith in general your relationship with god uh, feel free to reach out to me or one of our elders deacons anyone Uh, we want you to know we are here at your service or to help you in any way that we can you know as we uh... near each new stage in life we uh... say things like a little kid might say when They're getting older. They say, after I get older, I'll be able to do big kid stuff, right? They won't be told no. They'll be able to reach drawers and knobs and cabinets and get into more stuff. They'll say, when I'm a big kid, after I'm a big kid, I'll be able to do things. When uh, teenagers get older, they're going to high school. They say, after I get to high school... I'll, I'll, then I'll really be grown. I'll really be big. And after I get my uh, keys to a car and a license, then, then I'll really have freedom. After then, then things will be great. The college graduate might say, uh, nearing college graduation might say, after I get out of college and I'm on my own, then I'm really going to have freedom. I'll really be grown. I'll be in charge of my life, in control of my life, finally. Maybe the uh, person nearing retirement says, After I retire, I'll be able to pick up my hobbies again. I'll be able to relax and just do what I want to do and take it easy. Although I've heard from many retirees that life is only busier <laughs> after, they get, after they retire. Seems to be the case for many folks. But that word after is a key word I want us to think about. Because at every stage in life, as we near that stage, we think about what's next. And especially the older we get, we start thinking about our strategy, our plan for that next stage, for after. After this, when I I get there, then I'm going to do this or that, go there and go here. So after is uh, something that we're... Accustomed to, we're knowledgeable about different stages of life. We put energy and effort towards our plans for after we get to a certain point, we'll do this, we'll do these things, we'll have this, we'll be able to do this. But I want us to spend time thinking about after we become Christians. Who are we supposed to be and what are we supposed to do after we believe? That's the new series that we're into to starting today for the next few weeks. After, I believe. In life, in stages of life, we, we think about it, especially as we get older and older. We think about after and what we're going to do then. We make plans for it in preparation. But what about after you become a Christian? In 2021, we did a series on how do I become a Christian? We looked at that, and and we'll always talk about that subject. That's how do you obey the gospel, how do you become a Christian. And we want to mention that uh, in every sermon that we have. We want to always point people to giving their lives to Christ. But we also need to spend time talking about, what about after I get there? And whether you've been a Christian for decades or just days, you need to be reminded, we all need to be reminded of some things about after I believe, after I become a Christian, who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? So we're going to spend some time on that. You've seen the commercials over all of my life, I've seen them, of children who are malnourished and starving, and they're they're sad. The commercial's uh, telling you about the condition, uh, different places around the world, and how you can help alleviate that problem in their lives. And it's sad to see uh, that in in today's world, in today's society, with the abundance that is so prevalent uh, all over our world, that any child, any person would go without uh, the basic their basic needs, basic food that they deserve. So it's sad to see those things. We our hearts go out to them. They 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 should be treated well, and it's not always, uh, you know, one particular reason why uh, they're they're going hungry. But we we don't even like to see those pictures of those young children starving and then we think about how much food is is wasted maybe in our own in our own meals in our own homes and definitely in our in our societies of influ, uh, affluence when we have so much we think how much is wasted and thrown away every day and yet people go without all over the world go hungry all the time but what if god could take a picture of your spiritual health, your spiritual condition, what would the photo show? What would we see in the photograph? Would would the picture show that you're spiritually malnourished, that you're spiritually starving, similar to the children we see in other places in the world? What would that spiritual photograph show about the condition of your spiritual life? How many Christians are starving spiritually, malnourished spiritually, and yet they have food all over the place, spiritual food all over the Bibles all over the home, Bibles on their phone, and yet they're starving spiritually. And all that spiritual food around them them, at, at their fingertips is going to waste because they don't do anything with it, they don't consume it, they don't. Partake of it. How many Christians, children of God, have food around them and are starving spiritually, spiritually malnourished? Psalm 119, 105 is our main text for our lesson today. We'll look at some other passages as well, especially there in that chapter. But the psalmist writes simply, Your word is a lamp to my feet. And a light to my path. It sounds so simple. It's a short sentence. There's not a lot of words, there's no big hard words. We understand the definition of every word in this verse. And yet I know the psalmist, even though we don't know actually which who it was who wrote this particular psalm. We know because of what he tells us. This is the longest chapter in the, in the Bible. We know because of the things that he said. He was dealing with affliction. He was dealing with trouble, with challenges, with, with lots of difficulty in his life. And so he didn't just write this quickly to jot something down on a napkin. He wrote this with lots of meaning. He, he, he felt what he was writing And if you read the whole chapter, you're going to feel it too. And probably many of you have read it. And it's a good one to reread many times. And he says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He knew what he was talking about. Psalm 119, the whole chapter is a devotional on the word of God and on the God of the word. It's an, it's an amazing chapter about the Word of God and about the God of the Word. So it's a great chapter for someone who's been suffering persecution and affliction in many different ways, and yet he calls out to God and he praises God for His Word, and he says how much he loves His Word and wants and needs His Word because of all the trouble that he deals with and all the affliction that he's, uh, that he's uh, experiencing and all of his persecution. He, goes, he turns to God and the security of his word and the safety of his word and the guidance of his word. That's what he wants in his life. He doesn't call out for other things. He calls out for the word of God. And talks about God's word. And, and he suffered at the hands of those who have disgraced God, who, who can't stand God, who don't believe in God. And he's experienced their hostility and their, their slander and their, their, their treatment that he's the way that he, they've treated him. And many today can say, well, that sounds like our world today for a lot of Christians. Depending on where you live and maybe where you work and, and what part of the country or what part of the state or what part of the world. Christians today face similar challenges. And yet what do we see in the psalmist? He cries out to God and he talks about how much he loves his word. In this one chapter alone, the scriptures are exalted as the word of God 175 times. Ten times uh, the psalmist talks about uh, 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 how he delights in the word of God. He talks about his delight in God's Word because he knows that it's the living Word of God and it's it's exactly what he needs in his life. One person called Psalm 119 the tuning fork for our spiritual lives. It's a tuning fork to tune your heart to the love of God and to His Word, to love Him more and His Word more and more. And what if all children of God Love God's Word like this psalmist loved God's Word. And we, you know what a tuning fork is? And we, we tuned our hearts and our lives to Psalm 119. That, that's what the psalmist wanted. He said, I just want to be in tune with you. You see everything going on in my life? I, I, just, I just want you and your Word. That's what he says. That's what Psalm 105, verse 105 is telling us. That every step of our lives should be guided by the Word of God. That every decision we make, everything we deal with in our lives, all of the stuff we face in, in life should be guided by the Word of God. So... Psalm 119 and verse 105 in particular is the Bible talking about the Bible. It's it's God's Word talking about itself and saying, here's what the Bible is for you. Here's what God's Word is for you. It's your guide. It's your lamp. It's your light. I wish everybody could have been in the Bible class every week. And this morning, we talked about this subject. It it fit so perfectly with uh, what we're looking at this morning in our sermon. And I want to encourage us... Uh, Be a part of our Bible classes from our our little babies all the way up because we have teachers who are studying and preparing and doing a wonderful job in our Bible classes. You know, in the Old Testament, you might be probably familiar with the lamps that they used. Their lamps, this is an example of there's lots of different kinds of lamps. This was one that would have been that they would have used in their time, uh, the Israelites would have used. And it was, a, it was just a little clay pot as a bowl, except they pinched that end. You can see, kind of like if you're making a, a pie crust, you pinch the edges. They would pinch that end, that end like that, and they would do that because that wick would just sit right there. And they could fill it with the oil to burn. Now, this particular lamp is not one that they would use outside to walk around with. And you can tell why, because you would easily spill that oil. This was one that they would use indoors or if they lived in a cave, if they were in more of an indoor area, this was the kind of lamp that they would use because this would help light up. They could have several sitting around. This would help light up uh, the house wherever it was that they, that they were. They could move it around a little bit, and it came to be th- th- there was a metaphor that developed And that's what this psalm is talking about and using the idea of a lamp and the light that a lamp gives from this idea of how a lamp lights up your house, it lights up your way. And and we think of a lantern or a flashlight nowadays, but it's the same concept, how it lights up your way, which we talked about also in our class this morning. So it was a metaphor for finding your way in any situation in life. If you have light, after all, you can see where you're going. You can see what you're looking for. You can can find your way. You can figure it out if you have some light in the darkness. So look at verse number 133. The psalmist wrote, Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. See, he wanted God to direct Not just like the big, 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 big stuff in his life. He wanted God to direct every footstep that he took. That's how in tune with God he wanted to be. That's how much he wanted God to direct his life. Direct every one of my steps, my footsteps according to your word. And then he says, let not sin rule in my life. And so he's saying, I don't want, I want to follow your word. And if I do that, then sin's not going to rule me. I don't want sin ruling my life. I want sin away from me, out of my life. And I want to live and walk according to your word. Think about this. When you follow a light, do you necessarily know where you're going, big picture? You don't know what's further down there, what's around the corner. Uh, uh, You don't know if that hole's up ahead. You don't know. But you can know right here, you can know what's around you. And that's the idea is that you're not always going to have all the answers in life that you'd like to have. We love having all the calculations worked out, having the five-year plan and everything accounted for. We love that. And there's a time and a place for that kind of planning in our lives. But when it comes to just living life, You've got to live and follow, live according to the word of God and walk according to his word because you don't know what's coming next. That's the idea. You don't know what's going to run out of the woods. You don't know what's coming and you've got to have the light of the word of God illuminating your path so that you know how to make choices, how to make decisions, what you ought to do in your life. The word of God, though, can't guide us if we don't what? If we don't let it. If we don't go to the Word, if we're not in the Word, not immersed into the Word, if we're not learning the Word, and that's what we're talking about. After I believe, I need to be learning and loving the Word of God. And I can't follow the Word if I'm not learning it. I can't follow the Word if I don't love it. When I learn it, I'm going to love it more. When I love it and I'm learning it, I'm going to follow it. Do you see how that works out? L- look at a familiar passage, Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What did he mean? Did he mean that your children won't ever stray? No, we, 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 we wish that's what it meant always. But this is a wisdom book. And, and so it's saying, do this, and this is generally how it's going to work out. It's, uh, but, but he's saying, what parents are supposed to do is you're supposed to say, you need to go that way, not that way. You say to your child, you train your child, you teach your child, grow up and go this way according to the word. This is who we are and what we do. This is what we do in our life. These are the choices that we make in life. And why? Because we're trying to live according to his word and children. You won't always understand what parents are doing and why. Why? And you won't like it and it won't make sense. And every one of us who's grown can raise our hand and say, yep, I was there too. Because there were times my parents didn't know what they were doing, so I thought. They were mean and cruel and ridiculous. But Christian parents are trying to train you up in the right way. And you're saying, don't go that way, go this way. And if I don't tell them as a parent, if we don't tell our children as as a Bible class teacher, as a parent, go this way according to the Word then they're not going to know. Why would they not go this way? We've got to make the path clear for them. How do you make the path clear? You shine the light on the path with the Word of God. Now, look at verse 9 of, back to Psalm 119. Look at verses, we're going to look at 9 through 16. He gave the answer in the next verse, when he asks in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young person stay on the path of purity in verse 9? He gives the answer in the following verses. By, in the rest of verse 9, starting there, by living according to your word. Do you see that? How do you live according to the word? It's going to light up your path. You've got to learn the word and love it to live by it. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Do you notice something he said in verse 10? Look back at verse 10. I seek you with what? All my heart. What is that telling us? That's telling us that there needs to be a love for the Word of God. That following the Word isn't something about being legalistic or no fun in life or anything. There's a love for God. And because I love God, I want to learn His Word and I want to follow His Word. That's what He's getting across. Now, drop down to verse 97 in chapter 119 the psalmist wrote look at this again about his love for God and love for the word oh I love your law he uses law commandments those are all uh uh, similar you know interchangeable with word God's word oh I love your law I meditate on it all day long how often are you meditating on the word of God how often do we even think of the word of God throughout the week or regular day. Now back up to verses 47 through 48. For I delight in your commands because I love them. I delight in them because I love them. Well, why? Because I love God. And my love for God drives me, moves me, compels me to learn His Word and love His Word. And the more I learn it, the more I love it. And the more I love God, the more I, learn, I love His Word. The more I love His Word, the more I love Him. Do you see how that works? Verse 48, I reach out for your commands, which I love, that I may meditate on your decrees. So let's let's... Let's think about why did God give us the Word of God? Why did He give us the Word of God? Well, He did it to reveal Himself to us so that through it we could get to know Him because there was no other way for us to know Him if we did not have His Word to reveal Himself to us. So that way we could have His Word To direct us in all of our challenges in life, in all of the decisions and difficulties of life, all of the chaos of life, all of the good times in life, so we can have the Word of God directing our paths. God's Word informs us about God and then shows us how to live for God. But the Bible has to be prioritized in our lives, doesn't it? Look at verses 72. Look at verse number 72 of chapter 119. And then from 72, I'll go straight to 127 and 128. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold. And because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. That's a big thing to say in today's world where that's what we want is more silver and more gold, right? Our life is consumed with more silver and more gold. How high can we stack it? How many Benjamins can we put in our pocket and in our bank and all of that? That's what we want. That's what motivates us. And the psalmist said, not me. What, I, I want your word more than gold and silver. What if that was our motivation in life? The Word of God and our love for it. Now look at verses 129 through 131. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant. Listen to the imagery, longing for your commands. You notice that word unfolding? Your your translation might say entrance, the entrance of your word. And, and what it's refer, referring to here is when you experience the Word of God, when it's when it's opened up for you, when when you're taking it in, when it's unfolded before you, when it enters in, when you open the Bible and study it, when it's being proclaimed, when you're reading it yourself, and you're 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 experiencing the Word of God. That's what he's talking about. And he's saying the unfolding of your words gives light. Light for what? Your path that you live, your life, all of your decisions. And then look at what he says. I open my mouth and pant, longing for your commands. Isn't that an amazing way to describe somebody longing for the Word of God, to be panting after the Word? We sing a song that talks about that. And this word pant means to long for Uh, my mouth is open, I, I want it, I'm waiting for it. Like that dog that can't wait for that treat that you got hanging right there and he just can't barely reach it. And all he can do is pant for it. That's all he can think about. And the psalmist is saying, that's how I am. I just love the word that much. I pant for it. I must have it. Look at verses 103 and 104. The psalmist wrote, How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path." He compares the Word of God to their sweetener back then. Now we have 1,500 different sweeteners. Uh, uh, That that was their sweetener. Think of a sweetener that you might put in sweet tea or or coffee or whatever it might be, uh, your lemonade. And he's he's saying, your word is sweeter than that. That's how sweet and wonderful. The Word of God is. Psalm 1910, David wrote about God's Word and he said, They are more precious than gold, much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. David said the same thing. And we know his story and we know where he came from and some of the things he did in his life. And he says, I feel the same way. The Bible is God's revelation to us. That word revelation comes from the Latin word revelatio. And it means to draw back the curtain. You've been to a ballet or a play and you're sitting in the audience and then the lights come on on the stage and then what, are you, what is everybody waiting for? Waiting for that curtain come open. And what do you see when the curtain is opened? That's what everybody's waiting for. They're sitting around thinking, when's it going to start? And then the lights come on and the curtain opens. And you see the set, all the props, and you see the actors or the dancers up there in their costumes. And the show begins. That's what God's word is. Uh, uh, It's his revelation to us. He's opening back, opening the curtain and revealing himself to us and saying, here I am. I want you to know me, and I want you with me forever. That's the Bible. It's God revealing himself to us so we can know him. And and it's in his word that we learn about him and learn how to live for him. And ultimately, what does the Bible reveal to us? Ultimately, all of the Old Testament, everything is pointing us to the revelation of Jesus Christ. His son that he's said, I'm sending to you to save you from this world, to take your sins upon Him on the cross. Your penalty, what you should be suffering, He's going to take it on Him on the cross so that you can be saved, so that you can be with me forever in heaven. If you turn to Him, if you obey the gospel and put your faith in Him, become a Christian. What matters is not how many times you've been through the Bible, People talk, tell you all the time, oh, I've re- I know the Bible backwards and forwards. I know it like the back of my hand. And I, I usually never believe anybody that says that. Why? Look at their life. It doesn't matter how many times you've read through the Bible. How many times has the Bible gone through you? And is it is it really in you making any difference? Or is it just a bunch of history and facts up here that doesn't play out in real life? It needs to make a difference in our lives. We're supposed to be transformed People, servants of God, living our lives, walking down the path of our life like we believe in the Bible. In other words, knowing facts doesn't equal knowing Jesus. And that's what ultimately God is revealing to us, His salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. So after you believe, you live like you still believe. By learning and loving the Word of God. That's what the psalmist is conveying to us. Is that where you are in your life? After you've believed, after you've become a Christian, are you living like the Bible? Not you've just gone through it, but it's gone through you and you are still pricked in the heart by the good news of the gospel and you still pant for the Word of God. You still love it and you still use it. It's still your light to to, to guide you through your life. Maybe you need prayers to, because your your wick is burned out and you need a new wick in your life, in your lamp, so that you can follow his word in your life like you used to, like you want to. Maybe you hadn't started following Jesus yet because you hadn't obeyed the gospel. You hadn't put on Christ in baptism. And that's what God wants you to know. That's why He pulls back the curtain in His Word. And He says, look, here's the good news. I save you f- from your sins, from e- being eternally lost, through the blood of My Son who hung on the cross for you. And he was raised so that you can be raised out of the waters of baptism to walk in newness of life and be forgiven of your sins in the watery grave of baptism. Maybe that's where you are. So that you can say, oh, after I believe one day, I'm going to be living according to His Word. Can we help you this morning? If we can, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.